of this series on the 10, uh, going through God's amazing guidelines that he gives humanity, uh, which we know as the 10 commandments. And so today we're going to look at the third commandment. Let me read this to you um, out of the scriptures. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, this is a very interesting scripture. Now, we tend to think that the scripture means that we mustn't uh, misuse uh, God's name, the name of Jesus, as a swear word or as an expletive, as is commonly used in the culture today that we are a part of. You know, when we hit our finger with a hammer, anyone ever hit their finger with a hammer? Well, that's a joy, isn't it? Uh, or kicking the leg of, of the couch, you know, when you're out trying to get a drink of water in the night, it seems like God gave us little toes so we know exactly where the furniture is in the darkness. Or stepping on a wayward piece of Lego. Anyone ever done that? My goodness, that, that are considered dirty or filthy. Uh, and, and these are expressions of anger or blame. We should not be using the name of the King of Kings, the Savior of mankind, the healer, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, the God of love, we shouldn't be using his name as expressions of anger or blame, right? I mean, there's no question about that. That is not okay. But the question is, is that what the Scripture is talking about? Now, when we look at any passage of Scripture, we've always got to look at the original context. Right? It's an established uh, biblical interpretation guideline that a scripture cannot mean something today that it could not have meant when it was written. And so the problem with the interpretation that this is saying we must not use the name of God as a swear word is that it was extremely unlikely back in the day that the word Yahweh, God's name in Hebrew, would ever have been taken as an expletive or an exclamation or a swear word. In fact, commentators tell us that since ancient times, for example, within Jewish culture, the scribes that were writing God's name as they were making copies of the Old Testament, that before they could even write God's name, they would have to go and bathe ceremonially, they have to wear special clothes in order just to be able to hold the quill pen and write his name. Not only that, they had to ensure that they had enough ink in the quill to finish writing his name once they'd started because it was considered unholy to have to refill the pen halfway through writing God's name. Not only that, when they were writing God's name, that quill then had to be thrown away and a fresh quill used every time they wrote God's name. And in some traditions, it was even said that if anyone was writing God's name, that they must ignore anybody that spoke to them until the name had been finished being written, including a king, if a king should address that scribe. Now, this is just the general idea of the kind of weight that the name of God was carried in the culture of the day. So in light of that, it seems extremely unlikely contextually that this scripture is referring to using God's name as a swear word. Now, we can still apply that today, right? Because it's a natural extrapolation of revering God and revering his name. But again, we've got to come back to this question. Is this what this scripture really is saying to us? So for a moment, I want us to dive back into the original language and take a look at the Hebrew to see if we can get a better understanding of really what is going on here. Now, in the Hebrew, the phrase, take 
the name of the Lord in vain. The word take uh, actually means to bear or carry. To bear or carry. And the word vain, do not take the, the name of the Lord in vain, that word actually means emptiness. Emptiness. Now, a literal translation could be, do not bear or carry the Lord's name in emptiness. Now, this is intriguing. So let's look at these two things. Firstly, what does it mean to bear or carry the Lord's name? You know, in, the old, in, the, in, in ancient times, in the Old Testament, we read how the priest, when he went to minister, he would actually have the Lord's name on his forehead and he would carry the names of the 12 tribes of Israel on his breast piece. Now, commentators say that, we, you know, and often talk about us as image bearers of God. And that's important and true. But it's also important to realize that we are also name bearers of God. Now, we also see this in the New Testament in Acts chapter 11. It says that the believers at, at Antioch began to be called Christians in that period of time. So these, these people, these followers of Jesus, they were called Christians. Now, Christian literally means little Christ. They were like little Christ, little Jesuses walking around. Once again, they, they were name bearers. They carried the name of Christ, and they were known by that. You see, the sense of the scripture for us today is that God is saying, do not bear my name. Do not be someone that is known by my name and represents me if you are empty of all the things that I am. Now, this is huge. You know, the Christian band DC Talk once famously said, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge God with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Now, I want to illustrate this a little bit more. You know, many years ago, I was a fan of Monty Python. Uh, any other Monty Python fans here? Yeah, um, so Monty Python was, was a British comedy group uh, of which John Cleese was a primary member, and um, they had a particular kind of humour uh, which was wonderful and somewhat childish, uh, but very, very clever. And one of their famous skits, one of my favourite skits, is called The Cheese Shop. And um, I'm getting some nods. Now, in this skit, John Cleese plays this kind of academic who happens to love cheese, and, and while studying, he gets a little peckish and decides to sally forth down to the nearest cheese shop. He finds the cheese shop with the name above the door, Cheese Emporium, and he goes in. And then the entire skit is his conversation with the proprietor trying to buy some cheese. And so he begins to inquire as to what cheese this, this, um, this cheese shop has in store. But every time he asks for a cheese, he's told, look, I'm terribly sorry, we don't have that one. And there's always an excuse. It was meant to come in this morning and the truck didn't come. Oh, look, I'm terribly sorry, the cat's eaten it. Uh, and, and he goes through 43 different types of cheese. Okay? I didn't even know there were 43 different types of cheese. I thought there was tasty, mild, and edam. I mean, what the heck? For all these things. Okay, and it's, it's, it's quite hilarious. And obviously his frustration is building the more he goes on. And I won't, I won't um, uh, you know, steal your joy for those who do actually want to go and listen to us by telling you the end of it. But near the end of the conversation, it goes like this. John Cleese says, Do you in fact 
have any cheese at all? And the proprietor goes, yes. And John Cleese goes, do you really? And the proprietor goes, no. (laughs) And John Cleese says, well, you're not much of a cheese shop, are you? You see, if you bear the name of cheese shop, and yet when people come to you for cheese and they find none, then you're not much of a cheese shop. Can I suggest that what this commandment is saying is that if I bear the name of Christ as a Christian, and yet when people come to me for the things of Christ, they find none, then perhaps I'm not much of a Christian. The commandment says, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not bear the Lord's name and be empty of the things of the Lord. That is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. It is, DC Talk would suggest, the single biggest source of atheism in the world today. Maybe that's why this commandment made it into the top 10. And so what's the answer for us today? The answer is simply this. Be full. Be full of the Lord. Be full of the things of God. Be full of the joy of the Lord. Be full of the presence of God. Be full. Do not be an empty shell of a Christian. And if you ever begin to feel like that, do everything you can to remedy that. Be a Christian in whom Jesus lives by his Holy Spirit. Be a Christian in whom people find life when they come across you, when they find joy. What is a Christian that is empty of joy? What is a Christian that is empty of hope? What is a Christian that is empty of encouragement? If the best kind of cheese shop is the one full of cheeses, the best kind of Christian is the one full of Jesus. I feel I need to apologize for that. (laughs) But I want us to understand that despite the, the, the dad joke nature of that pun, the truth of that, the truth of that we need to embrace. If the best kind of cheese shop is one full of cheeses, then the best kind of Christian is one full of Jesus. That's the reality. So what does it mean to be full of Jesus. What do people come to you for? What do people get from you when they come into your presence? Does what comes out of you match with the name that you bear, the sign above the door? Because if the sign says you have Christ, then you better have Christ. And we do need to take a minute To get to the seriousness of this, the commandment says we will not be without guilt if we take the name of the Lord in vain, if we bear the name of the Lord, and it it is is in vain because we are just emptiness. You see, this is in the Ten Commandments, along with all these other extremely significant consequence-bound commandments, and this too is one of them. And let me illustrate this to you just to make uh, make sure we understand this. There was this one time Jesus told this story to illustrate a point. He said in Luke 13, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. 
So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any, cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. You see, this thing bore the name of fig tree. And someone came to it again and again and again looking for figs. But when he came, it was empty of figs. And so he said, what is its point? Cut it down. What was Jesus illustrating? Three keys to having a better fig orchard? Now he's talking about people. And in fact, he has just finished talking, and he uses this to illustrate this. He's just finished talking to the disciples about God's people, the Jews, who bore God's name, but whose lives were empty of the character and nature of God, and that they needed to repent and turn that around, or else they would perish. That's what he's just been saying. They needed to do what John the Baptist said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, Luke 3 verse 8. Or what? Well, ultimately, they would perish. I mean, this is, there's some serious business in this. This is serious, not just to the world, but this is serious to God. So, take a breath. What's the good news? The good news is this, that the intent of this commandment is that every time that we are reminded that we are name bearers, every time we're reminded in some way, shape, or form that we are Christians, it's that we might check to make sure that we are not empty of the things of Christ. And if we are empty, to do everything we can as soon as we can to not be empty anymore, to be full. You see, this isn't to condemn. This is to remind us, again, of how God actually intends us to be full. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be full of his things. So let me ask you this morning, are you feeling empty? Because if you are, that's okay. You just need to be filled up. And yes, it's our responsibility to make that a priority to be filled. And here we find God's grace again, right? The fig tree was dug around and fertilized, but it didn't produce fruit right away. But over time, listen to this, As the gardener got to the root of things and added what was missing, as it got healthier, then fruit began to appear. Likewise, if we are feeling empty, if we will allow God, who according to Jesus in John 15 is the gardener, if we will allow the gardener, if we will allow him in, if we will allow him to get to the root of things in our lives, if we will allow him over time, then we will find too that we will produce fruit, that we will be full and overflowing with Christ in our lives, that we will be that blessing to others that we were always destined to be. And as we see in the parable, the gardener is always ready to give the fig tree more time. God so wants you full, so wants you full, of Jesus. He so wants you to have Christ in your life in a deep and real way. He really, really does. So that when people come to you, they find that fruit, fruit of God, fruit of Jesus, fruit of the Spirit, that unconditional love, that fun, loving joy, that calming peace, that unwavering patience, that non-judgmental kindness, and, and on it goes. I, I can't help but think this morning 
of our absolutely beloved Pastor Maggie Lawson, whose life we celebrated this week. Even as she was nearing heaven, even as her body was weakening, her spirit was full. She was a Christian. She bore the name of the Lord. And everyone came to her, even in those last days, they didn't find her empty. They found her full. I did. We did. The words she said, they just encouraged. The love that she gave was just so accepting. The faith that she had was just so calm, even in the face of going to heaven. You came to this Christian, and you found Christ. How do we then, as ones who have taken the Lord's name, as ones who bear his name, how do we ensure that it is not taken in vain, that we are not empty? Let me give you three thoughts this morning on how to be full, how to live full. The first one is this. It happens when we worship. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. It says, be filled with the Spirit as, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. You see, the Holy Spirit fills us while we worship. And I know, right, sometimes we come into worship and it can just feel so ordinary. But I tell you what, we've got to remember we have a transforming God. Let's not forget that it was ordinary water that went into those jars at the wedding of Cana. But when it came out, Jesus had turned it into wine. We are filled with the Spirit as we worship. And God does something inside of us as a result of us being in that place and what comes out of us as a result, is different than what went in. Sing the songs, lift your hands. God is doing something in you when you worship. He is filling you with the Spirit. And when it comes out, it will bless many. Second thought this morning is this, is that it happens when we pray together. You know, on the day of Pentecost, the believers were praying together and they were filled with the Spirit. Was it any coincidence? Saul the Pharisee, who became known as Paul the Apostle, had this encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, was led to Ananias. And as Ananias prayed for him, the Scripture says, he was filled with the Spirit. When the believers in Acts 4 got together, it was in praying together that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, being filled, it happens too when we pray together. We must never misunderstand or mis, uh, you know, uh, underestimate the power of just grabbing someone and praying with them. Something happens in us when we do that. And then thirdly, it happens when we give out to others. You know, there's a story in the Bible of this woman. She's a wife of one of the prophets, which were part of the prophets group that Elisha had, and she was in trouble. Her husband, who was a prophet, had died, left the, left the family deep in debt, and the debtors were coming, and they were going to take her two sons as slaves in payment for those debts, and she desperately went to Elisha asking for help. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? And then he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? She says, your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door. As each was filled, 
she would put it to one side. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. So when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. Now this is important. You see, the New Testament reminds us that everything was written in the Old Testament was written to teach us. What is the message for us today? The small jar of oil kept being filled by God as long as she was pouring something out of it. You will keep being filled with God as long as you are pouring something out. Bless everyone that God brings in front of you in some way, shape, or form. Give them something from the Spirit, a scripture, an encouragement, a blessing, and you will find that somehow you are strangely more full as a result of giving out than you were simply by keeping it to yourself. As we conclude, if the team could come now, that'd be great. If you are a Christian, you bear the name of God. You bear the name of Christ. So be full of Christ. Be full of Jesus. Here it is again. If the best kind of cheese shop is one full of cheeses, the best kind of Christian is one full of Jesus. Do you need to be filled up today? You know, some days I know I sure feel empty. And I know from experience that little worship, me and God, in our lounge or in the car even, a little worship, just worshiping God, man, that does something to me. Not just that, a little praying with somebody, man, that just does something inside me. A little blessing someone, encouraging someone, giving something to someone in some way, it just makes a huge difference. It fills me up. And so as we come to a conclusion of, of this service, I want us to do that. I want us to do some filling up, right? Pastor Luke always says the church is like a spiritual filling station. We should come here and get filled up again for another week. So let's worship Let's pray together and let's give a little out to someone. Now, as we sing this last song, we're going to take communion together. And hopefully you've all got uh, the elements of communion. If you don't, if you put your hand up like this right now, one of our team will bring some communion elements to you. And the elements are all there. You've just got to peel the top little bit of plastic off to get the little bit of wafer and then the next layer off to get the little bit of juice. Okay, Just so you know how it works. But here's what we're going to do. If you, if you would like to just take communion yourself just between you and the Lord as we worship this morning, then I'd like to invite you to do that. But if you came with somebody and you would like to take a moment just to quickly pray for each other and then take communion, then I'd like to invite you to do that as well. And as we do that, to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us again, to open our hearts maybe and surrender a little bit and allow the gardener in to get to the root of things in our lives. That we might allow Jesus to turn the water into wine. And that like the fig tree, we might find that we're heavenly laden with fruit that blesses and encourages everybody that comes our way.
As the team lead us in this song, in your own time, why don't you just take communion with the Lord. In fact, let's get to our feet. Let's get to our feet this morning. Or just lay hands on someone next to you and pray for them if they're comfortable with that. And, and we're just going to take a few moments to be filled this morning. Amen. Lord, we love you so much. What a privilege it is, Lord, that we get to bear your name. We get to carry your name. We get to take your name. God, I pray in this place, let us never be guilty of emptiness, Lord. Let us be that kind of Christian, Lord, that when others come to us, there's Jesus coming out of us in some way, shape, or form. Let us be ones who pour out into others' lives their blessing. Lord, as we worship this morning and as we take communion, would you fill us again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.